Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Yeah. I'm like, wait, aren't we supposed to both do this? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> We're going to record a podcast tonight. <laughs> We're going to record a podcast tonight. We're going to work a lot of movie. It's something, something, something. It's groovy. Uh, no. yeah. Okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. how have you been? <laughs> Good. Oh, my gosh. I've been on an emotional roller coaster watching this movie. I Jeez. know, right? Lord, oh. help us. Um, so welcome back to Old Hollywood yes, Realness. Yes, welcome back, y'all. This is the podcast that celebrates all the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. Mm-hmm. I'm Philip Estrada. And I'm Kathleen Nall. Um, so Kathleen, it is still the balmy days of summer. Uh, yes. And we, <laughs> and we are, the, we're still finishing out the sexy, I was going to say sexy sailor. I was like, no, wait, that's last year. Sexy Shakespeare summer series. Hell Ew. yeah, we are. <laughs> Ooh, so, so sexy. We picked another movie where it's hot and sweaty and dripping in the heat. Yes. Wearing <laughs> ill, ill matched makeup and, and <laughs> We're gonna do this right. Yeah, choreography is gonna be flawless. Oh my god! So yes, oh my we gosh. are of course continuing this sexy Shakespeare summer series with the mm-hmm. uh, the the modernized version of Romeo and Juliet, uh, talking about West Side Story. Mm-hmm. You're it's, also, it's, um, it's, I think one of the greatest movies of all time, clearly one of the greatest musicals of all time, this, oh my I God, mean, oh my God, oh my God, I, I kind of forgot how good it was. I had, oh I, yeah, I was going to say, I literally had not seen this since I was a teenager and wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty good. Um, yeah. So quickly, um, 1961 by it's another United Artists film. So back to back United Artists films. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Natalie Wood starring as Maria, uh, Richard Baymar, uh, Baymer starring as Tony, Russ Tamblin starring as Riff, Rita Moreno stars as Anita, George Shakiris stars as Bernardo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Simon Oakland as uh, Shrank, uh, Ned Glass as Doc. William Bramley as Crumpkey, uh, Tucker Smith as Ice, Tony Mordante as Action, David Winters as Arab, uh, Elliot Field as Baby John, <laughs> and Bert <laughs> Bert Michaels as Snowboy, David Bean as Tiger, and Robert Bannis as jo- Joy Boy. Um, this movie was directed by Jerome Robbins and Robert Wise, and the costumes are by Miss Irene Sharaf. Mm-hmm. That's yes. right. Uh, so, Kathleen, what is your history with this movie? Because you clearly saw it when you were a teenager. Oh, yes. Um, well, I may have already alluded to this in the last episode, but I, I, I do love me some some Shakespeare, and uh, I was a big theater nerd in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm not going to lie. like I There is no shame in – I love Romeo and Juliet. I think it's the most – one of the most wonderful stories. It's so like, (laughs) it is so good. It it is like, I don't know why I can't, I don't know. I'm sorry that sounds so corny, but it just, it's my favorite. It's, it was totally like my gateway story that like where I really fell in love with Shakespeare. And, um, and I, I haven't, I, I actually did see Romeo and Juliet live when I was about, I think 14 and it changed my life forever. Um, and, uh, but yeah. And so I remember watching this in high school and I, I absolutely love this story, but then I also really, really love the music. I love the costumes. I love the dancing and the choreography. Um, Mm. and, uh, and it was really fun to like take a deep dive into this movie and, um, just, it it was emotional for me. I had to like 
like watch it and then stop it and watch it and stop because I mean I would I find myself just sobbing I was like it's so good it's so good (laughs) you know (laughs) but maybe I've just been kind of stressed out lately but I (laughs) you know sometimes sometimes you need to be hit right in the feels and this movie does it you know it just this is it so anyway but that's kind of my um, my experience with this movie and I always knew it as being like I, I knew it had been recognized as just being like it's it's deemed like this really important movie in cinema in general, just for mm-hmm. being, you know, a very big breakout movie, breakthrough movie. Um, and, uh, you know, for just having like a multicultural cast, a multicultural story. And it was about young people. And I knew uh, it was very groundbreaking when it came to costuming because they really, um, I remember reading, it was like, it was like real clothes for real people telling a real story. And that was so different from like most Hollywood stuff is like custom made and, and very much like old school costume design and like things were actually store-bought you know like heads and levi's etc so yeah yeah yep yeah what and what's your what's your experience with this fabulous movie well this movie i think was the first i've watched this the first time during my um my video store days uh Mm -hmm. watching through that and i don't think that at the time that i connected with it as much as i did but then watching it Mm -hmm. this time i was just like oh yeah we're living this right now yeah exactly (laughs) i think that's it too i feel like i connected with it way more deeply than i did as a teenager i remember new like watching it and thinking knowing like this is an important movie i need to watch because it's Mm -hmm. about something i love but but really just getting it like i mean it was like i said it hit me as as people with it right in the feels i was like i need to take a break because it's like movie was so good definitely like i watched when i was watching it i was just like wow this movie it feels very of the moment right now it feels very contemporary and it feels very important so i would Mm -hmm. highly recommend anybody who hasn't seen it recently like really kind of like watch it and and because if you've paid any attention to the news that's happening right now, you mm-hmm. will realize that there are parallels to what's happening right now. And you're just like, fuck, this is yes. like, it still it's holds uncanny. up and it's, yeah, yeah, it really is uncanny. And you're just like, it's almost like kind of sad in a way that this is, this movie is still so mm-hmm. important now. Like it just, it, it's almost more important now than it was when it came out. Like it, it feels, was, yeah. it feels very important. I don't yeah. know. That's just my personal opinion of it. You no, know, no, I, I agree with you. Like, not into it but honestly this is this is why like this is why hands down like Romeo and Juliet the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet is like my favorite Shakespeare story because it Mm -hmm. it resonated with me when I first it was my first time ever really seeing anything like that ever and I saw it live and and like and I remember being like tearing up like being 14 and watching this thing and like really feeling and I and it, it 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 resonated with me then it resonates with me now it is a truly like timeless story it is so important and it 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 is it's like to me it's like a gateway shakespeare story like it, it, it really, really cuz yeah. if you if you like this like give the others a chance you know um yeah. but it is it's so it's so pure and beautiful and absolutely sad it's just so yes sad but it's so beautiful it like but it, it's important to feel i think it's like yeah. that's the thing is it's like it's okay it's okay to cry it's okay to feel that way about the story because it's it's important it's like mm-hmm. i think we tune a lot of that out we we don't really make time to feel and have emotions like that and this this movie celebrates it all and just the, the use of color and music and emotion yeah. and choreography and oh and, and let this me let's movie, face it, people had some looks they were looked yes. amazing so yeah. this movie is a dancer's movie this movie is like it really is. i mean it is uh, it's a technical Jerome, designer's dream too like somebody yeah. who loves movement and clothes and costumes i'm i've been long fascinated with the twirly dresses that mm-hmm. the Puerto Rican girls wear and just how they yes. like they perfectly put these like slits and pleats like things look fitted but then as soon as they start moving there's these strategic pleats or little pants or things underneath it's like ooh ooh secret you know it's yeah. so good but I mean the <laughs> dancing it. in this I definitely was really moved by the dancing in this movie too mm-hmm. just because I know Jerome Robbins was kind of like he was a dancer and he was a da- choreographer first yeah. and that's then when he became a director and we directed this and when he brought it originally to Broadway too it was like dancing was like really important and I've heard Mm -hmm. 
stories of how like meticulous he was and how like kind of a drill sergeant he was in the dancing. Yep. And it really shows in this movie. It, it shows. just has like yeah. such kind of innovative dancing and innovative like movement. And of course, Russ Tamblin's in this movie and he's uh, like an amazing like acrobatic dancer in, in his own right. I mean, also not like, bad to look at. I'm just saying. Like... No, in this movie, he grew up a little bit. This is later than the movies that we've done before. So being that he's this is his dirty denims, they're yeah. all looking good. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it there's that, there's that one scene where he actually like he jumps on the bar and lifts himself over the bar and like mm-hmm. being that I do go to the gym and I did, like I'm I go to like a CrossFit I'm sorry I won't talk about it but anyway but <laughs> seeing like, him not actually to humble brag but, but actually he doing that move where you kind of lift yourself over the bar and then he jumps yeah. and like lifts his feet over the bar I'm like that's not easy that's like no. a legit like um gymnastic move like that's really yeah. hard to do so anything I mean, involving like volleying your whole body weight around yeah. like I just can't. But yeah, it, it's it's yeah. it's so good. It yeah. My goodness. Wow. It's this movie is I mean, it's pretty it's something spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Um and, and uh, I it's interesting too because I know that um Irene Sharaf was also the um costume designer of the the stage show too. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and she, I love that like she was like deeply familiar. Like it was mm-hmm. her baby just as much as it was everyone's and it comes across completely. Yeah. You know? So it's nice to see that she was part of the original, like, um, you know, great creative team to bring this to Broadway. And then mm-hmm. she was kept on to do the movie because uh, she actually did a decent amount of um, theater work, too, which was yeah. great. Um, I she was uh, she was nominated for a Tony for the stage musical and she won. She was ta- nominated for a Tony for the costumes for the movie. But then she actually won the Oscar for the costumes for this. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it's pretty good. And she actually has the distinction of being the same costume designer for a musical that later became a movie three different times. Uh, she costumed West Side Story, The King and I, and Flower Drum Song, and then Gosh. she could, she went on to do the, the movies of that as well. So yeah, she was she she's a kind of a badass lady. Like I love that, and yeah. she was also a closeted lesbian, which I'm totally well. I know. It's like when are we gonna know, get like to you, that part? Because like, yeah. I mean, and and don't I think that's the one? Like a lot of her stuff and her collection is now in Kent State. Like her oh, yeah. estate and a lot of her designs and just paperwork and stuff. But yeah, she's pretty amazing. But I also feel like she's um I mean if, if you could if you could say this about anyone, she's like a dancer's costume designer. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like she truly designed with the dancers in mind. Like she was putting so much thought into not just like first of all, her interpretation of like you can totally see direct like inspiration from like like the the time of like original Romeo and Juliet, like put yeah. into the costumes, with, like with the use of the striping and the and the color play is fucking amazing, gold standard for color play. But yes. like she also just just really taking into considerations, particularly the women. They're, the women's uh, clothing, it's, it, they're completely built for dance. Like these really super tight bodices that stay in place, but with these really beautiful fluid full like full skirts. And I just I was always fascinated with that because every time they move, everything moves in the right place and uh it's just just that kind of thought is really the meticulousness that went into this movie is and and the costumes is you can you can feel it you know it it's like she took things that made like that were supposed to be so basic but then she added so much depth like the jeans like the little or the jackets like i just noticed like watching it kind of the second time around like you can really see like these tonal like stripes and things on these on these just like regular jackets these teenagers are wearing but it gives it i think even like she referred to as as faceting but just adding that more like depth Mm -hmm. and play to the the costume itself and i think that it just so good yeah. So good. And there was that article that I had forwarded you to that talked yeah. about her her like design aesthetic for both the movie and the stage show. And she did she did very extensive research on like Elizabethan and in like Elizabethan time period and mm-hmm. also like Italian Renaissance because that's when the movie the play took place and yeah. was also written. So she kind of made homages to it in a way that was like real, very subtle. But once mm-hmm. you knew they were there, you kind of saw them. Like there's those really yeah. awesome. I think there's like these short sleeve funnel neck sweaters that the guys wear in some mm-hmm. in one scene and they have like a v-neck it almost feels very superhero-esque but in a way it, it, it also harkens back to what they would wear in the elizabethan period so it's almost like a doublet yeah kind of styling and it, yeah. it just it's almost like she just didn't really she didn't just design for the sake of designing she really did she she took the time to like really do 
uh, like her research and do some beautiful like mm-hmm. n- and she thought about the nuances and that sort of thing so that it, there was a story behind what she was doing as well like which yeah. is kind of amazing I think that the sweater that I'm t- thinking about is the one that's worn by the dude Ice who ends up becoming the lieutenant of after Russ Tamblin dies he oh, wears okay. sort of that like long sleeve sweater it's got a v-neck in the front which yeah. she's, which was a d- direct sort of representation of that Elizabethan time period but it feels contemporary yeah. too at the same time it so does well that's her, her silhouettes were so contemporary like mm-hmm. cool like like yeah. freaking like if I were a teenager be like oh um I'm, I'm doing that for prom like I mean some yeah. of those outfits were like I could see as like they felt young they felt yeah. like young teenager aesthetic for that time and so that that was very I I, I just it's absolutely genius and that's yeah. where I think that I mean, I, I, I wish I had I wish I could have talked to my mom before we started recording, because I know she would have been about like 10 or 11 when this came out. But oh, from wow. what I understand, like this movie was a huge hit and it was a it oh, was like it was a cultural a phenomenon. Massive. And like it won all the Oscar. Well, like you know, 10 out of 11. Many, but but many. I mean, all, like all like most of them, like it won all of them. And like um, and they even gave a special award uh, to Jerome Robbins just for like, oh, like you're amazing and your choreography is yeah. amazing. Like we're just going to invent an award for you this year because we just we can't. And yeah. um yeah, but I just I I would love to like um I'll I'll try to find out. Maybe we'll do a corrections corner next episode because I'd love to find <laughs> out like what what kind of effect that had on like the teenage um like teenage fads and aesthetic because I would think this would have been yeah. pretty freaking cool, you know? Yeah. Um I mean, even that like their that whole dance scene, like when Rita Moreno has that love that amazing purple dress with like the big uh. wide neck, the big white square neck, again harkening back like Italian Renaissance kind of thing, you know. But it, it took me a while to be like, oh yeah, that totally. I mean, even though it's so simple and clean, it's just mm-hmm. capturing those like those really um, s- like stylized shapes that were distinctly from other times and like working it in. But yet still, this very on point early '60s, you know, young teenage dress made f- to go to a dance, like ugh, just amazing. By the way, was this not the Rita Moreno show? Did she? just crushed the entire she movie. She killed I, it. I, I just, could not even handle how good she was in this Like, movie. her character, like, that. that's the other thing, too, which is such a, you know, I, I don't know, it's such a, I guess, a, a big difference from the original story is that you have this amazing, like, sort of strong female character that is woven throughout that I think she's supposed to represent she seems to be representing like other females in Romeo and Juliet and probably, I don't know, I haven't analyzed, but she's sort of representing like the nurse and Juliet's right. mom. Yeah. She's representing a lot of these other, it's like they kind of took the, uh, like the few other females and sort of squished them together and made Rena Moreno, Rena Moreno's character. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's great. I just, I love, I love the way that they subtly change the story. It works so perfectly and still like getting that story across. It's oh, really it's so awesome. good. Yeah. I mean, she this was a cultural phenomenon because you have to remember it wasn't, but maybe 10 years later that share on the share show did a full, she lost her mind and she did a whole musical number where she played every single part of this movie oh, on the share right. show. And she performed it. It's something to see (laughs) i know it really must have affected baby boomers big time because i know i was just even recently reading how like steven spielberg has wanted to revive this like even now like yeah he's he's been talking i mean who knows where that's gonna go but he has the money that you just he he has major fuck you money where you can just throw it at anything so (laughs) who knows but apparently he's a massive fan of west side story and has sort of talked about doing a remake and i'm like Maybe, maybe, you know, tread carefully, sir. Tread carefully. We saw what you did with your Indiana Joneses, and I am not having it. Yeah. So, anyway. I'm like, why not? Well, let's just leave well enough alone. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Just, if it ain't broke, sir, don't. sir, don't throw money at it. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> um, we, we can't, we cannot go too much further into this movie until we actually deal with the fact that this movie is pretty um bad with the old brown face in. <laughs> like, oh yes yeah um, for sure let's address all the problematic yes. things that make us soups uncomfortable it's like problematic corner so this movie yeah um so that would be all racial slurs aside we'll just put those because those are obviously up there right like let's just say that's part of that's just had to be part of the movie because to get the point across that there was racism in this movie it's there's clear racism in this movie but it's not just like it's not innocuous it's not white people being 
idiots it's white people being racist so it's not yeah. it's not like you know how you get those movies where it's like people are just being insensitive for the without realizing it which a lot of older movies have and don't realize it um but nope, this one was there. this one this one is a straight up racist uh, like there's the characters are racist and that's part of the story and that's what moves mm-hmm. it along but also too there's the other part of it which is the the white people not realizing that you should not cast natalie wood to play a, a Puerto Rican person well, yes, and have her yeah. do a Puerto Rican accent to a Puerto Rican woman, <laughs> like to a right. Puerto Rican woman. Who, face. by the way, does not really have an accent. And she's pointed that her out. She's like, I don't really, not as they, she had to like agree. fake an accent for the movie. Like she's like, I don't really, because <laughs> have yes. you ever heard her speak? She doesn't really have, she's no. brought that up. It's and, just, uh, <laughs> and to hear this like kind of almost Cockney style accent, like I just, I could not imagine. I mean, yeah. Rita Moreno must have had some grace and dignity on set because just to be, list, just to listen to that every single day and just be not want, just not murder. Yeah. Well, I have <laughs> to say it, it was very, it was very helpful and it actually made me appreciate the movie even more is like in my research, like um, even finding this, like this little interview I found with Rita Moreno, how there are like even even her like literally addressing every single thing we have a problem with and being like, I had a problem. Like, we had a problem with it too. Like her like am, fighting about yeah. the makeup. Cause like they literally put, she was explaining how they put makeup, like literally used the same shade of makeup on everybody, Puerto Rican, like the exact oh, same shade. And yeah. she even came to them. She's like, look at us. She's like, we are all different skin colors. Like, like yeah. some of us are very fair. Some are olive skin. Why would we like you? We all look like dirty. Like you put, you gave us like dirt yeah, to put on and there. And that's something that's and, actually and, yeah. really obvious in the newer version, in the version that we watched just because Yeah, when you watch it on HD, yeah. Everyone looks gray. Poor like Natalie Wood has like a shadowy yeah. mustache of where like the bra- <laughs> I mean, it is so the bad. Like are... I'm like, why? Like they literally gave her a mustache with yeah. that like shitty makeup that they I used. I mean, it's Rita Moreno was the only Puerto Rican woman in the film. The major, the, sort of the major cast in this movie. Yeah. Natalie Wood was of Russian descent, and George Shakiris was actually of Greek heritage. So yes, and that's he's... what she said. She was like, George had beautiful olive skin, and like they put yes. this shitty brown dirt all over his skin Uh, and uh and but it was like there were definitely things it's like she was kind of explaining it's like you you know you're just so fucking grateful like she knew she Uh was going to be doing something so breakthrough and she put up with a lot of shit filming that and uh you know and she's like you know we're all cool now but like you know she she really did speak up about there was that and like you know how they've dubbed their voices Oh my and God. that's yeah. a whole again that that also feels very out of place and even and I I thought this was interesting too they dubbed her as well when she sings this one song and she was always it always she, she's like I cringe because I sound she she's like I sound Mexican she's like my brother she's like I don't speak like that oh, you know and and they and and it she's like it bothers me to this day that they tried to like put these accents on that don't like they're not even accurate and it doesn't even yeah. you know and and she's like in like I, a lot of like some just don't have accents at all it just doesn't make any anyway so yeah. it was interesting to be like oh so you felt uncomfortable too even yeah. 60 years ago 50 <laughs> years ago when this yeah. happened so <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's an int- it's definitely Oof, it's, that makeup it's, though distracting even Even on on the on the sharks and the two like or on the jets jets, yeah i noticed that as well like i thought it was like rough rust hamblin at some points i was like why is he gray like he looks almost gray horrible like weird and it was like grease paint with sweat and it just oof there was no there was no contouring let's just say there was no contouring yeah poor natalie wood no contouring like they literally put that dirt on her and just powdered her down and were like Go out there, kid. Here's unless there is like some sort of, unless there was a conscious decision to say, okay, it's New York. They're in the Upper West Side, like Harlem style, like up in like Spanish Harlem or something. And like, it's a well, rough I get spot. If they're, like, There's no air conditioning. Sweaty, like, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Sweaty Maybe is one want- thing. And actually, this I didn't mind is, the sweat yeah. because there's some scenes where like you see them sweating and I'm like, ooh, that's authentic. Like, I don't, it doesn't bother me. It's yeah. just the straight up skin tone colors it was was a rough one and Um, i and it's sometimes i feel it's even worse on the ones who aren't sweating it's the ones who actually are like getting the close-up and you're like oof oof sheesh but the dubbing part i did want to speak to it because there was an interview with the woman who did do the dubbing on it because she had dubbed she kind of had a prolific career as well of being a kind of a dub artist for the most part she actually i love her marnie nixon so she dubbed um she dubbed Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady. She dubbed Natalie Wood in this film. And mm-hmm. she dubbed some some other, uh, plenty Deborah of Carr. other movies. 
like oh, in the King oh, yeah, and I. Oh yeah, in the King and I. Yeah. So and Fair to Remember. She, oh, Marilyn. She did she Marilyn said. in uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Yes. Apparently, she only did. I had read that she had only done the operatic part. Just the, the operatic the, part. At uh, the very beginning, and the rest. That's of it what they all say. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, it in the you can tell in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, there's like a. A definite like turning off of that like with the yes. minute she stops that like high-pitched squealing it's like mm-hmm. then it's definitely Marilyn um but she was saying that her process was that she would they would record the musical they would she would work with the actress to understand her vocal tone like when she speaked as the character and then would mm-hmm. te- then she would do the singing based on the character's uh, the way she was speaking and then they yeah. would, then the actress would lip sync to that vocal track apparently she had she even went on record saying that natalie wood was having none of that for this movie so well, it sounds like they gave natalie wood a big pile of bullshit too because in yeah. that interview i saw with her and rita moreno like she was and it's this typical hollywood bullshit where they they really strung like they were like yeah natalie wasn't pleasant but she wasn't pleasant for a reason because they basically strung her ass along we're like oh no you'll sing well we'll use your voice you're fine darling you're fine you're fine oh yeah that and then and, and and they kept keeping marnie like on retainer pretty much like mm-hmm. as they you know as they would call her the ghost kind of ghosting her like just following her and and doing these things sort of in tandem with her and right at the very last minute they used her, they, they so they strung her along this whole time kissing her ass probably to keep her in the movie and keep her going because yeah. they were all even saying like Rita Marina was saying she was the only one in the cast who like they're like she they said you know she wasn't mean but she was standoffish like she did not really hang out with everyone else she didn't really mm. jive with everyone else like she was cordial but she didn't really she didn't have that vibe like with everyone like the cast and crew did yeah, and but- because she was kind of brought in as this other and then treated mm-hmm. like a little princess. And in a way, like, how, but how productive is that's not very productive if you're basically lying to her face. Yeah. So, like, of course, she's getting upset. You know, I just I thought that was interesting, you know, about what happened. But just some bullshit. Yeah. You know, instead of but just being Marnie real with Nixon, her in the beginning. The, the interview that I read, I heard, listen, or watched with Marnie Nixon, she said that they, she are hit, Natalie Wood had already recorded all the scenes mm-hmm. where she was singing, and Marnie had to do the reverse, which she normally does. She had to, like, time and sing her vocal parts to Natalie's so filming, which was backward than they've ever done before. And I honestly think that they're, I think that Maria's singing in the movie is probably, so her numbers are probably the weakest, because they I just so don't. Too make sense and they don't really connect with the the actress isn't really connected it does feel very dubbed it feels more dubbed than you're used to seeing in these movies like yeah especially uh, if have you seen any of the broadway bits where the broadway maria because it's like oh my god it's different you're like oh i get it now like i've seen like yeah i've seen like concert style versions of it and it's just it's completely different like it's completely different having someone with a real voice do it is kind of yeah like jaw-dropping it's so cool and i Um, think that's the sad thing like not that no no shade to natalie wood but i mm -hmm. feel like she's and i and people are gonna hate me i feel like she's really kind of forgettable in this movie like as far as Mm. her presence like she's she's kind of just she's kind of weak and weedy and especially when you have like Rita Moreno, which you're up against that, she just feels very like I understand like the whole they I feel like they 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 lean too hard on the whole like Juliet the delicate flower, Juliet the virgin, right. yeah. Juliet it's like useless, like yeah. you know, like you know, in a sense like almost to being useless and. Julia doesn't have to be that. Like, you can right. portray her in a way, like, even in the story. And this is why I really, you know, the Baz Luhrmann one, I think, is, oh, I'm not even going to get started on that. But that Romeo Juliet, like, <laughs> Juliet can, has, has balls. And she's, and I think that in here, like, they just, she's a bit more, I don't know. But again, it's, it's the circumstances and it's just. I think it's more Natalie Wood's performance. It's not right, really yeah. the character itself in West Side no, Story. No, I totally agree with you. It's interesting. This movie is funny because when when we're thinking about this back about this movie, you really it is more of a Jets and a Sharks conversation. It's more yes. that's more the compelling part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, no shade to anybody else, but like it's totally. almost like it's like you just you really think of Sharks and Jets, and then Rita Moreno's and, and, Rita then, Marino. and you know Anita's character, and yes. then it's like and then it's Sharks and Jets, and then it's you know, and then it goes into just then at the very, very end, it's like Tony and Maria. 
Like, mm-hmm. and it's literally just that very last scene when Tony actually dies. Like, mm-hmm. and that's the part that is really, actually her performance of that scene was super oh, moving. Super like, moving. I think that's like her best part, actually. Up until, but that, up until that point, you're just like, you're almost she's a little not phoned buying in. it. Yeah, yeah. You're not buying it, which is a shame yeah. because she's, it she's is a, a shame. She's good. I mean, she's good. And it's a really beautiful movie. So you yeah. just would hope that everybody was like. And I'm not going to lie, that part, like where they see each other at the dance and everybody like kind of mm. blurs to black and they just see each other. Oh my God. God, I <laughs> lose my shit every time. I'm like, <laughs> like heaving sobs, heaving sobs, Philip. <laughs> it's so good, but yeah. it's just so magic. Like, Love but that's, is so beautiful. Well, I, I, you know what it is? It's because it's so, it's so beautiful and moving, and you also know it's like it's not like it can't happen. So it's yeah. it's this it's this beautiful pull of emotion that you feel as a human, you know, of just mm-hmm. something being so beautiful and so sad at the same time. And that is, to me, it's one of the most moving moments in the whole story is when they see each other for the first time. And it, and it, it's, they do it, it's so, it's perfection. It's fucking it perfection. Really uh, it's a beautiful scene, actually. And so this is good. sort of like that whole scene where she like twirls and it kind of becomes the, the, the yes, the, yeah. It's actually really beautiful. And you can beautiful. kind of tell like from the director that they really took the time to like take the good, some of the many things that they did on stage with like lighting and lighting effects and these sort mm-hmm. of like and dissolves color. and like, these color yeah. story and having like that color theory behind the movie mm-hmm. and they really applied it to film but then they kind of like amped it up a little bit because they could do yeah. more with some sort of but they didn't go heavy handed either nope. with special effects even though it was 1960 they couldn't do much but they didn't do like they didn't go nuts like there wasn't yeah. like you know there wasn't like an animated sequence or anything no. <laughs> like Absolutely. they just kind of did what they what they could do to kind of enhance the theatrical ver- the theater version of it like the actual stage version of it and mm-hmm. you know i it i mean the direction the movie the movie itself is beautiful right? an absolutely it's beautiful completely film. beautiful yeah and um in you know in re- like looking at all the costumes as well the costumes in the movie there's not a ton of like kind of like knock it out of the park like gorgeous amazing looks mm-hmm. or you know there's just a lot of like really beautiful simple wardrobe and like mm-hmm. really they're icon- iconic looks though they, iconic, they're iconic yes. without the bling and that's just yeah but the, not to like be able to do and, that yeah you know? but uh, yeah like you're saying not there's not a lot of bling there's no mm-hmm. like you know there's no ascot scene or anything like that where there's just sort of like a parade mm-hmm. of beautiful costumes but there's like just really strong like yeah. choices being made mm-hmm. strong men's costumes i feel mm-hmm. like the like i mean not that the women aren't and i love that there is a, a just any kind of women representation you know i love the jets girls and the sharks girl i mean mm-hmm. they're just wonderful and the dancing is fantastic but just such strong men's costuming where you know and the girls aren't put on a pedestal like here's my glamorous star and like they're they're of equal there's an equality going on in like both the male and the female costumes so that they are united as a group especially when they dance and when they do things and and it i just love it i love the aesthetic of the the girls costumes like i mean i would wear that shit every day to work like seriously (laughs) i'm like oh that's built for movement that is perfect i can run up and down the stairs and go to the train on that you know so like I I don't know. I thought it was I still I to this day think it's timeless, agree you know. Yeah. And the, uh, I mean the 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 dance scene is kind of like a very iconic scene and mm-hmm. everyone is dressed completely differently but the the jets all have like their own story, color story. And then yeah. the sharks have that beautiful, like oh, overly saturated color. Cause they're absolutely, you know, which kind of harkens like talk, which speaks to their, you know, Hispanic heritage, which is kind of a thing that happens all of the time. Like I know that in like Mexico and in other like Island nations, they'll actually like paint their houses, super bright colors, even though it could be in like the poorest neighborhoods, just because yeah. it kind of like gives it, I love that. it up. And I just love that they kind of did like, she kind of like referenced that kind of, brightness within their, their, mm-hmm. their you know the the palette for the clothing and which actually even like kind of works beautifully with their skin tone too I think just because oh, when you're absolutely, more t- yeah. when you have a more brown skin a more beautiful brown skin like that you can really wear deep colors like yeah. that and, just and I love it it's like something. there's like the warm palette and the cool palette with the sharks mm-hmm. and the jets and like seriously guys 
like gold standard for color play <laughs> and costume design, right? I mean, think yes. about it. Like, and then just the use of red throughout this entire movie, mm-hmm. whether it was with lighting, whether I mean, because it was also sort of the color of the sharks. And I love like, even though it's it's such a theatrical move, but you know, when you when you see Maria and she's at the dance, and she's in this all white dress with her yeah. red belt, and it's just like that showing of it's such a perfect. It, yes, it may be cliche of like putting the virgin in white but then she's got that slash of red blood red you know belt that's going across her middle that's like the color of like sort of the gang and and sort of that but it's also such a great foreshadowing of like death and and you know and i love i actually really i love like how she's like her her red dress that she wears at the end with the black shawl just Mm -hmm. again not like glamorous looks but iconic all the same where you're just like they they mean something and you're telling the story through color and strong silhouette and 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 exquisite fit everything fits these people amazing so I mean, beautiful. the fit and balance of every freaking dress on every dancer <laughs> and, and the pairs, the jeans on every man, like it, these are, everything has been just tailored to fit beautifully, even though they're like rough and tumble. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, really shout out to that as well. Yeah. Um, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So good. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, I actually wanted to kind of, um, highlight to George Shakiris, um, mm-hmm. because he, um, has, he had a long career as a dancer actually prior Sorry. to this. Oh, it's okay. Pop that, pop that can, Huntsy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got the ice water going and a can of beer. It's like that yeah. warm in here. So yeah, like, you know, a little column Kathleen, A, little column B. <laughs> Kathleen needs your juice. Um, Let's face it. It's basically said. I have two. I have two containers of water. Is what I've just <laughs> said. <you know? laughs> so George um, Shakiris actually had um, a long career as a dancer prior to this movie. He was in Brigadoon mm-hmm. and White Christmas, oh. which were both in 1954. Um, he was also in the Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend number from uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes in 1953. Um, so because, he's just like that hot dancer. Like yes, but you yeah. may remember, uh, I was like, oh, I had to like kind of relook up what he, who he was in um, White Christmas. And he was in um, the White Christmas, he, the number uh, Love You Didn't Do Right By Me with Rosemary Clooney, where oh. she was, remember when she was working With her weird awkward gloves maze. with the pink, yes, with the her, two big with her little her little oven mitts that were covered in rhinestones. <laughs> She was like, she's like, come here, George. I want to like. I'm claw. sorry that I she bring like that up lobster. because the dress is actually exquisite. And I mean, the like, dress. Like, okay, <laughs> if you that dress was amazing, but her weird oven mitt gloves oh were a little bit weird. But remember, like George, um, George was like kind of doing those weird like poses next to her. He would like kind yes. of just, like, pose and bend. Like it was so interesting. Yes. I forgot about. It. I was like, oh, that number is so good. I love how he, he like he's the guy who's the dancer closest to the star in like consistently yes. in every movie. And if you Google him and Gentleman for Blondes, he's standing directly next to Marilyn. So he's wow. he's getting his. Um, nice. Yes. Well, he was, uh, I mean, he was, talk about standout. I mean, Jesus, he was so good in here. Yes. Like, I'm, I'm so glad that the, uh, like, the best supporting actor and actress um, Oscars went to both him and Rita Moreno. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. 100% earned it. And by the way, did you not see how she, uh, she got, I guess, like an honorable mention at the 2018 Oscars? And um, or just at the ones now, and she was wearing the same dress. She recycled the dress mm-hmm. she wore to the 1962 Oscars to the one this year. Yes, oh my god, that was a whole big thing. Like she had just like slightly altered it or something, but it was like she did recycle it for. Which I, was kind I of love amazing. it. And like I guess she had even like it, she picked out the fabric initially. It's like the fabric was originally from the Philippines. This is like hand embroidered fabric, oh, and wow. um, yeah, she she picked it out and had the like sort of I guess design that dressed uh, in a sense for um for the original oscars and i just think that's great but i shout out to anyone who recycles anything there's another oh gosh it's a comedian and i'm her name i'm drawing a blank on her name but she has this running joke now because she has this beautiful i think it's a white like alexander mcqueen dress or whatever and she's worn it like this tiffany haddish tiffany haddish i love that i love it she's like she wears it for this and i will wear this i'm like that would be me like honestly a hundred percent I would be like rewearing or recycling, but like nobody gave me no freebie. Nobody does this in my size. I'll buy this. I bought this cash. And if I'm the more, if I keep getting invited to these award shows, you damn right I'm showing up in that dress. I look yes. good. Like, why do you need to buy? Like, no one, like, I just love it. I, I love it. It's so great. 
So, yeah. Well, good times always. Um, um, what am I looking for? Um, Oh, and I was going to tell you, I found a really fun little factoid. You know how we were talking about how, like, the costumes were, you know, like, they they used, like, Levi's jeans, but then they, like, distressed them and did stuff to them. And they got, like, um, even their shoes were, like, Keds and Capizio. And Capizios are, like, a... Oh, I, yeah. And these are all, like, mid-price like, mid dance shoe, mid-price sneaker, mid-price jeans, you know. And yeah. the, another thing that they used was... Um, all of the the slips and like the like the half slips and the full slips and all the underwear and stuff that the girls wear was um, there was a, a they were all from a company called Cerame and Cerame was another hmm. like a, I I did a little reading on this because I was like I've not, I don't know what this is and um, so apparently this was a company that made mid price lingerie and they were started in the mid fifties um, and let's see. Um, and it, and it became, let's see, I'm going to give you the little write-up I found. It says, uh, Sarah May made mid-price lingerie. Bert Yellen started Sarah May lingerie in 1954. And in 1955, Lewis Kaufman became a 50% partner. Bert bought out Lewis Kaufman in 1980 and became 100% owner again. Sarah May was closed in 1992. Bert was the company's only designer and was also the sole designer for Iris lingerie from 1974 to 1992. Bert Yellen was also honored as Man of the Year by the Intimate Apparel Square Club in 1975. He also received over eight awards by the French lace industry for his lace designs, the most of any foreigner, and over six Shifley embroidered awards in the U.S. Wow. So it's really interesting. I thought it was really interesting because this was this little American born and bred company where this guy like designed and like and these were this was this was probably something that our I guess grandparents or parents, uh, you know, or, or grandmothers or whatever would have bought like bought and normally worn these uh, slips because back in the day everybody Ugh. wore like half slips, petty pants, camisoles. I think they even did bras and like like a panties, panties and stuff like that. But yeah, this would have been like, like you know, kind of like Keds or, you know, uh, like mm -hmm. Levi's, like one of those mid-priced companies. And probably it makes sense that they died out in the early 90s because people really did stop wearing those kind of layers, those like old school right. layers, which I, as a, from my personal experience, I wish they'd bring that back. They actually make a lot of sense, especially if you like to wear dresses and garments. They, they really do keep, uh, you know, those were, you would have worn a slip or petty pants or any of those next to the skin so that you don't get, you know, oils or whatever from your body, like sweating onto your clothes. Cause people didn't mm. wash their clothes as much, or maybe they'd be dry clean, you know, right. it's a little different living than what we do, you know, and also people owned less clothes. So you would have worn more right. undergarments to keep your outside gar garments, you know, clean because people didn't wash stuff as much as we do today. It wasn't mm. like disposable. So it was just really interesting to read about that, but they bought, um, so they bought um, all of those for the dancers and the female, um, the female actors, and then they they huh. dyed them and then redid them and custom made them and incorporated them into the costumes. And so I huh. thought that was really rad. That's really awesome. <laughs> and apparently, wow. it's a, if you're a big like vintage eBay collector, I noticed it's one of those things people like to collect on eBay, like in in the vintage clothing circles. Hmm. So Interesting. yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, I just thought I'd be a little shout out since we work in the in the in the apparel industry. I was like, oh, cool. Nice. You know, yeah, pretty neat. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, so did you want me to discuss the storyline on this? Yeah, one real please quick? do. Okay. Jump so, out um, in. This. Yeah, so if you haven't seen this movie, um, this is a West Side Story. This film is about two rival gangs in New York City, the Sharks versus the Jets. Uh, the Jets are the white kids, and the Sharks are the Puerto Rican kids. Um, they, uh, the Jets are led by Riff, um, played by Russ Tamblin, and the Sharks are led by Bernardo, played by George Shakiris. Uh, these two group of kids hate each other and are locked in a bitter, bitter turf war because of, you know, racism. And right. um, the Jets and the Sharks have a brawl in a playground in the beginning of the film where two crops, a sh uh, Shrank, played by Simon Oakland, and Krupke, played by William Bramley, come to break it up. These cops are sick of the two groups fighting and want to lock all of lock up all of Dems. Um, oh, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> watching Dem this kids. movie, I immediately started talking. Like I was like, <laughs> I had to start ta stop talking. Like um, like a New Yorker from the sixties, were like AUs and like Dems hey. and like it was oh. a lot of that. <laughs> um, I was this. I was so close to being like a baba da boopy. Baba da boopy. Yeah. <laughs> 
so um, that night there's a big dance and Riff wants to get the, uh, wants the gang to challenge the sharks to a quote rumble um, uh, which is a sort of fight to end all fights uh, winner take all situation so um, he then ends up trying to recruit Tony who played by Richard Bamer to come back to the dance to come to the dance as well because Tony was one of the founding members of the Jets but he left it all behind for a job at a drugstore and Riff wants Tony as their backup and then eventually Tony agrees to go um, so meanwhile Bernardo's sister Maria Natalie Wood is excited to go to the dance that night um, Bernardo doesn't allow her to do many fun things um, because and I don't know why maybe he's just very protective of her or he wants to I don't know wants to keep her safe in the original packaging um, <laughs> So she works in a bridal shop with Bernardo's girlfriend, Anita, played by Rita Moreno. And they have, um, so they're putting the finishing lo- touches on her look for the main stage runway. Uh, category <laughs> is Muy Caliente Extravaganza. A uh, virgin. <laughs> yes. Virginal. Because <laughs> she's not trying to lip sync for her life. Even no, though she no. totally does. <laughs> she should have. Yes. Uh, so they all get to the dance and Gomez Adams, I just want to note, <laughs> from TV's Adams Family, he's the MC of the dance and he tries to encourage everyone to mix it up who they dance with. Um, it turned, the Jets and the Sharks have no interest in mixing things up so they dance with, quote, their own kind. Tony shows up late and when Maria and Tony catch sight of each other, they, they instantly fall in love. They begin to dance with each other, and just as they're about to kiss, Bernardo pulls them apart, and he ends up scolding Maria and sending her home. So Riff uses this chance to step in and set up a war council with Bernardo. And then back at their back at their house, um, Bernardo scolds Maria some more um, for mixing with the Jets. <laughs> a lot um, of scolding. I know a lot of like finger wagging. Um, so Anita and Bernardo end up arguing on the roof, musical style, about the pros and cons of living in America versus um, Puerto Rico. Uh, then Bernardo heads off to the War Council. So uh, during during this time in the alley, Tony finds Maria. So basically, he finds Maria's apartment by by just yelling out her name in an alley. Um, luckily, it was the correct. Alley. I heard Puerto Ricans live here, Maria. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had been singing that Maria song all week. I was oh like, my Maria. god! It's very a lot of this is very catchy. Let me yes. tell you. I just met a girl named Maria. <laughs> um, it's it's much to the much to Ryan's delight. I just have to say he's hello, kind sir. Surely you know Maria. He's totally <laughs> yes, and Ryan's totally on board for me singing a musical that he has no interest in. Oh yes, this is yeah. one of his favorite things you do. Yeah, he's like, can you stop now, please? Thank you. Um, so uh, where was I? Do 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 do. So uh, Tony finds Maria's apartment by just yelling her name out in an alley and their um, love is so basically their love is solidified um, with this meeting and they agree to meet the next day. Um, Bernardo and the Sharks meet up with Riff and the Jets um, and they agree on the fight. So it's going to be a one on one man, one man on one man situation, you know, which is generally a fight. Um <laughs> Or a Saturday night, am I right, ladies? Uh, t- um. sorry, it was like, or a tussle, if you will. A tussle. <laughs> <laughs> a brouhaha, a melee. I just picture people doing the whole, like, fighting like girls, where they just kind of, like, <laughs> slap each other over yeah. and over. Um, slap off. I know. So the next day, Maria is smitten as fuck at the bridal shop, and Tony arrives um, ripe as they're closing, revealing their affair to Anita. So Anita agrees to keep their love a secret, but also spills the beans about the the rumble. And then Maria begs Tony to stop the rumble. She's like, it can't happen. It can't happen. Um, Only she says it with a lot more of of a fake accent. Um, The Jets and the Sharks meet up for their rumble under the highway. Uh, Bernardo is paired against um, a giant jet. <laughs> um, and things are about to get underway when Tony shows up to try and stop the fight, but things get heated and Tony gets taunted. Uh, Riff is not liking this, and he steps in and begins to fight with Bernardo with a knife. And luckily, Bernardo has a knife too. Um, <laughs> it had the, one of those beautiful scenes where they pull the knife out and then they catch the light just ever so to make sure you saw that it was in fact a knife <laughs> yep we got a knife here yes uh so tony tries to stop the knife fight which causes bernardo to stab and kill riff uh tony full of rage kills bernardo in retaliation and then a full brawl brawl breaks out until the cops 
um, arrive, and then the cops' sirens start um, going off, and then everyone scrambles off into the into the night. Um, Maria is on the roof waiting for Tony when Chino, plays by Jose De Vega, shows up to tell her about the fight. She's only worried about Tony, so Chino blurts out that Tony killed Bernardo and storms off in anger. So Tony shows up and explains what happens. Maria understands, and then they end up singing a song just before she gets that D. Um, (laughs) it's totally obvious that's what happens Um, and then the Jets gather up and they're all hopped up on adrenaline Um, their new leader is Ice played by Tucker Smith and um, he tells them that they gotta play it cool man in order to cover up that was a great scene by the way oh my god amazing first of all I have to go on record Tony's on or uh, sorry not Tony Ice is on straight up amphetamines. Yeah. He has to be oh, like yeah. the way he delivers all of those lines. I'm like, I was so nervous. I'm like, yep. is he going to kill every one of them yep. in a bloodbath? Poppers for everyone. Yes. <laughs> and there's also the line if there's a, he's like, you got a rocket in your pocket, play it cool, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> and I'm like, um, that was a penis reference. <laughs> Baby uh, penis. Baby <laughs> penis. And then this is when um, the little lesbian in training named Nobodies or yes. Anybodies, Susan Oaks, shows up and warns them about that she heard that Chino is getting a gun to exact revenge on Tony's. On Tony. So Anybodies is my favorite character in this movie. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm absolutely obsessed with her because she's a straight up Looney Tunes character <laughs> from like the 1930s. And she's just kind of picked up and plopped into this movie. <laughs> She's like, oh, geez, guys. <laughs> like, I know. I love that one where they're like, go put on a dress. She's like, I got scabby knees. <laughs> one of the best lines in the movie. <laughs> oh, I got scabby knees. <laughs> she's like, anyway, <laughs> she's like a newsie from the 30s, but also could be a pirate. Like, she's such a strange character. I just kept thinking about how uncomfortable she must have been being strapped down like that. Because you could tell she was being strapped down. Like, I, I know, she had no but boobies. actually, there was like, um, there was that scene, but there was that moment between her and Ice where he, she tells that basically it's this scene where she's telling him about the, the about the, about, Chino getting a gun and they're all yeah. like I'm gonna take the upsides I'm gonna take the downtown blah 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 and then at the end it's just her and Ice and she's he's like he tells her he's like you did good buddy boy and there's yeah. the moment there's like a glint in her eye and I'm like she just she has there's like this thing where she's like he finally realized that I'm actually a boy and I'm transitioned <laughs> she had this like a transgendered moment where she's like I'm finally been recognized for my real gender I'm I like, know it right was kind of a he called me kind boy. of a movie that I don't think they uh, they realized that they had but I I'm know. like this is probably a beautiful moment for many young like, I wonder that you too know. like this you know because uh. it's like we always like well as we reference again the celluloid closet like when mm-hmm. people would talk about how they would just look for these little nuggets of gayness and things where they're like yes. that's about me this was probably like one of the first like trans right? moments on film like it had to have been because her like moment her like face in that scene well i mean honestly her his face on that scene if yeah. you really want to go into it like, okay yeah. like she that she was really feeling it and she really like she felt mm-hmm. validated in that moment and I, I appreciate that um i did too i thought it was great the way they yeah. did that so again Anita, it's those moments in the movie that feel so modern sorry yes that's True. interject but it's yeah true. no I uh, totally uh, so Anita ends up arriving at Maria's house um, to find that Tony has just left she yells at Maria for being with a jet um, but realizes that they're in love when she compa- when Maria compares their love to Not what just she any had jet. with Bernardo you just fucked the guy that killed your brother I'm yeah. just saying there's, there's excuse that my too. outrage think about it. yeah She's like, oh, I'm the one with the problem? <laughs> Why am I the asshole? You just had sex with your brother's murderer. Yeah. Look at your life. Look at Look your, at your life. <laughs> she is the sassy gay friend. Yes. Oh, my God. We have to oh reference the fact that this this uh, movie, watching this movie, and uh, will always make me think of the sassy gay always. friend. With the With the Ju- Romeo and Juliet. Where he's, you're 14. Yeah. I think you're 14. And you took roofies from a priest. Look yeah. at your life. Look at your choices. 
<laughs> what oh what what are you doing? <laughs> so if you haven't seen Sassy Gay Friend, Google, oh, it, Google and it and watch it. It's so good. Uh, especially the early ones with her, him and yes. Ro- Juliet, him and Desdemona. So good. Um, so good. So the Popo ends up showing up and to question Maria and she sends Anita to find Tony to let him know that she'll meet him later. So Anita goes to meet Tony at the um, where she's greeted by a gaggle of jets who assault her until Doc shows up. Um and breaks the whole thing up. That scene was so tough to watch. I couldn't so even. Tough. I was just like, she, oh and my she god. She said in interviews like that was extremely tough to film. Like yes. very, very tough. Like she I broke mean, down at some point. I and they were. She's imagine. like they were cool. Like it was like because you know like the people who worked she worked with like really tried to console her, but at some point she was like it just was not happening. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they um, broke her down in that. Yeah. So uh, Doc tells Tony that this is causing him. Um, Wait, sorry. So, uh, so they they end up assaulting her. To, um, Doc breaks it up, and then after this, um, Anita changes her mind about helping a jet. So she um, she instructs the jets to tell Tony that she you know found out about um, Tony and Maria, and he killed Maria. So Doc tells Tony about this, causing him to run into the streets, yelling for Chino to kill him too. And then this is when Maria arrives, and they run to embrace each other just as Chino shoots and kills Tony. Moments before they embrace, Tony dies in Maria's arms. Um, Maria in her grief, uh, in her grief takes Chino's gun and threatens to kill both the sharks and the jets and herself. Uh, she blames them all for the murders of Riff, Bernardo and Tony. The cops arrive and arrest Chino and both the sharks and the jets carry off Tony's body. The end. Yep. I mean, that's that last scene was really very tough but i do very have tough. to say that when all of them started walking away and the cops just stood there i was like can you get them because yeah. you need to interview them a crime was committed yeah. <laughs> like where are you going a crime was committed <laughs> like they're just walking away <laughs> like off into the distance <laughs> this like, ain't an art installation sir yeah. <laughs> would you please help us yes can you yeah question these people please can you secure the perimeter someone just got murdered yes <laughs> maybe this would be a good time to take evidence <laughs> stop moving the body <laughs> maybe hospitalize the girl involved she seems yes. pretty loose with the gun <laughs> yes <laughs> but it's theater it's theater of course theater <laughs> Um, yeah, so clearly this wouldn't happen in today's films, but it was so, I mean, the last scene was super moving and I just so I got good. chills watching it. I was like, oh yeah. God, oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing movie. I'm so, so glad we ended up doing this one. It was, mm-hmm. it was really great. It was, I feel like it was like a rediscovery of this movie for me. And I feel like, and maybe, maybe I wouldn't have appreciated it as much as, as I, you know, in my younger self as I do now. And yeah, um, I don't think, I think I had the same experience. I didn't yeah. appreciate it as much, but now I do. Like it just, yeah. it's touched, it like, kind of struck me differently this time watching mm-hmm. it. So yeah. I'm glad that it did. Did yeah. you have a favorite um, costume from the film that you want um, to highlight? I, you know, I, it may seem cliche, but I really do love Rita, Rita Moreno's purple dress. It's like it is mm-hmm. the it is like it's the purple dress. I'm sorry, yeah. like it's just amazing, and I think uh, probably a lot of girls feel this way. But it's just it's one of those like you kind of wish you had one or you know a reason to wear it because it's not only is it first of all I love purple like that's like my favorite color besides black and um, yeah. but so there's that and uh, but but also I just I love the big huge flowing skirt with almost like the shawl crochet over it and um and yeah, she's just and it had and it, fringe on it too it had a fringe on the fringe, skirt it yeah, was so it, cool this beautiful petticoats underneath and she just she uh, you know not to sound like i don't know tired but like she rocks it like it's just she just works it and and uh and i love yeah but i really do love particularly her and and the other like sharks girls i just love their dresses i Mm. love everything they wear and i even love her smock like it's actually one of my favorite things i love her like oh yeah i was gonna say that that was gonna be my answer like when they're first because it's totally like a house coat and she totally is she looks like a beautiful skinny divine and she's like (laughs) (laughs) you know from hairspray and all she was missing was like i'm trying to arm i know (laughs) 
I know. I literally thought I saw her and I'm like, and this is what you probably look like at 60 and you're 20. Like mm-hmm. she, and I'm like, and you look like my grandma. Like it's weird because it's she, cause she had that sort of bubble bouffant hair with the, you know, um, and, and, the, and the eye makeup and then that smock. And I'm like, there are women who are like 60 years old who rock this look like, and yeah. you, you know, and they look amazing. But and uh, she puts on that purple, oh my gosh. purple dress and she's, it looks amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just, I, I guess there's, yeah, there's a place in my heart for the smock too. So I honestly, yeah. those are kind of my favorite, <laughs> like those are sort of my favorites, <laughs> right? I guess. Cause we sew and like, that's something you would wear like in a dressmaker shop. And, and she, it's just so I, it, again, iconic the way they, they give her that. And it's got all this fullness to it. So it like covers her, her other like full dresses and stuff that she wears, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a complete sort of reveal sort of smock that she can take off and be like, well, I'm out of here, you know, yeah. and has something completely different underneath. Um, I also, and, and again, I, I think I love it because of the, the symbolism and, and I, I think the movement and the fit is beautiful, but the white dress that Juliet wears at the dance with the red belt is mm-hmm. also very gorgeous. And that's sort of the dress, like, you know, um, Anita makes it for her and, you know, they have the discussion of the neckline. Like it, it has a lot of, it, 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 it's part of, it's a costume that carries the story forward. And so, um, so that's probably, again, probably one of my favorites too. Yeah. yeah. What about you? <laughs> um, I actually really liked, um, I actually really liked what Riff and, um, Riff and Tony wore to the dance. Mm. Cause it was like that mustard colored, uh, yes. jacket with like that they both yellow. Had, and then it had like a, a contrast collar on the jacket. Mm-hmm. So it was like a two piece collar. And then they had, they had, for some reason they had matching ties, which I noticed was actually pretty cool. Yeah. I like, like how tie, like it had like literally tied like a, them together. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I saw it did there, but the tie actually was like kind of split color. So it was like black on one side and white on the other, but had yeah. like a weird design in it to kind of like break it up. It was actually, really cool and interesting which I think might have been a has that Italian renaissance feel to it with the color blocking and all that so amazing I love those nuances in there too of like especially actually reading that then you're kind of looking for them and they're sort of like costume easter eggs (laughs) this this whole movie is full of costume easter eggs with the color and as as she called it fastening you know Mm -hmm. the the play of the different stripes and the patterns and the and the blocking of colors um that were done in a way to emulate the like the doublets and the jerkins and and even the the tight fitting of the pants to sort of emulate the the tight fitting hose that they would have worn in the italian renaissance like all of those little things she, she tried to you know, shoehorn in and in, in beautifully subtle ways and make them ad- and, and adapted them for dancers. Yeah. So it's just, it's multi-layered. I mean, I, I, I can only assume like the, the making of these costumes, even though they're not glitzy glam, like the, there's a, a labor intensiveness to it with the, the fit and the construction and just the play. Everything is planned. Everything yeah. in the costumes are cho- just as choreographed as the moves that they have to do. And um, and those costumes have to like move with them. With I mean, they have to be a part of them. So just that beautiful marriage of of clothing and movement is. I just mwah, it's a spicy meatball. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I love it. <laughs> it's a spicy soap a pia. <laughs> hey, it is. Um, it's just oh yeah. From my God, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and there was great. one thing we're just looking, just going back to Rita Moreno's purple dress that we were talking, kind of briefly texting back and forth about that gown, that dress. Mm-hmm. And the skirt is so interesting because it is a circle skirt, but there's gathers on it too. So it's almost yeah. like it has like a circle and then a, like it has like a half a circle and then it's like a long square that could be gathered mm-hmm. and then a half a circle with a long skirt. Like it's like they really, she, I mean, it, and only I mean, Philip and I are like texting it down, like breakdown, like, what do you think the pattern shapes are that yeah. skirt? <laughs> like Where do you think they get that? We're like, ooh, tell me more. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a half circle and then it's a long square that they I sheared. thought it was four circles. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going, this is our life, people. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not complaining. It's actually oh, yeah. pretty wonderful. And then there's that overlay of the, then there was the overlay of the fringe that kind of like settled yes. in between that the had circles. That, but it looked when, like a shawl kind of tied on her yeah, a little bit. It was like very oh. beautiful. I'm like, oh, yeah. God. I, I did good. notice because, um, you know, Irene, Irene Sheriff did do the because they they did this um, on Broadway again in like the late 70s and then the mid 80s. And she kind of uh-huh. supervised the costumes on that as well. And they do. It's funny because I'm like, I could tell that one's from 1979 and that mm-hmm. one's from 1984. Like they they're kind of like trying to be 50s, but definitely especially like the makeup and stuff and some of the hair makes them more dated to it. Oh, yeah. But I did love how like Anita's dress, they, they do 
that dress it's not necessarily like the purple dress but they they do a similar one i believe in the 70s one and she's instead of having like the shawl looking thing sort of draped over it it almost has like um well it's like van, van dyke pointed lace that but it's oh, it's purple wow. like to match so it's that tone on tone but again that just very van dyke guys is like a it's a triangle shape sort of like dag mm. triangle shape that was very distinctive to certain um like time periods and also kind of iconic in shakespearean costuming and so just those little things that she kind of incorporated even into the different iterations as it kind of went on through the decades i think is really um it's like take note like kosh as a costume designer especially people doing shakespeare and I love, I just absolutely love when people like take Shakespeare and reinterpret it in different time periods. And I love bringing those nuances of traditional Shakespeare, whether it's in the, you know, the blocking or the, the sets or the costuming and like bringing them in, into the modern world, like kind of, you know, shoehorning them in and sort of, again, like Easter eggs, you kind of see them, you know, they're, they're sort of subtly put in throughout the silhouettes and stuff. And I just love it. Love it, love it, love it. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's total nerd out, but it's, it's true. Okay. It's it's That's the same exactly thing with like here yeah, <laughs> you know. But it's the same thing with like Kiss Me Kate. You know, it's just yeah. those little things where you're just like, oh, I love it. It's the the timelessness, the flow of history that can kind of, you know, you can see it like kind of coming through, and it's it's a trip. It's just a real trip to feel and see, you know. And you don't have to be rich or fancy or educated to you know, feel these moments. And yeah. I think that's a great feeling too. Like Shakespeare's for everyone. It's not for, you don't have to, you know, have some fancy education. Fuck, I mean, most people who saw it back in the day didn't even know how to read. So yeah. it's it's really for everyone. It's 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 the people's education, you know, like uh, stories. And, and I think it's great, so. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> I'll step on off my yeah, rhinestone is. encrusted soapbox and <laughs> back to my mic. <laughs> well i do want to thank everyone for listening yes. this week it's been a great time um yes if you'd like to keep we'd love for you to keep in touch um i actually wanted to highlight that i was i went ahead and asked if anybody on facebook had uh, any memories of watching this movie and i did want to highlight a couple of them um so so um one of our friends wrote in and said first time i watched it it was with my best friend at our grandma's cabin we were like eight years old i had literally fallen down a mountain earlier that day we watched this in pet cemetery i rewatched this movie many more times than the other one <laughs> and then there was this other one that i had to i it made me legitimately giggle it's i watched this for the first time in seventh grade with my best friend then i made the whole family watch it my brother and i spent the next week snapping and walking in rhythm everywhere and we went and making <laughs> random poses as we whispered yelled cool <laughs> Oh my God! This is the Absolutely best, you guys. love that. Love, love that. it so, so much. Keep oh. in touch. I like love hearing these stories of everybody's like histories with these movies and their experience yes. and the memories. It's so good. That's why we recap these movies because we all exactly. love them so much. That's um, why we love them too. exactly. And we you yeah. know particularly love the costumes, but we just we do love these movies and we love like we have really amazing great memories of watching them too mm -hmm. with family or friends or just on our own and. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, and I'm we so love happy. It with you, yeah, we with love our it. Too, Absolutely great. love it. And so, thank so, you so much for sharing your stories. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, keep them coming. We'll um, be in touch on Facebook, Old Hollywood Realness, Instagram at Old Hollywood Realness, Twitter at OHR Podcast. Um, rate, review, and subscribe over on iTunes, just like Tiffany W80 did. She <laughs> and her, she reviewed us and said, sincerely or seriously love this podcast. I am 36. But I grew up watching older movies and musicals with my grandparents. The podcast brings up so many happy memories from my childhood. Yes. Thanks for taking the time to share so they are not forgotten. Love you guys. Like, oh, we love you too. We love Tiffany. you too. Yes. Um, thank you so much. Yes. Thanks that's, for the review. That's love what we're that. saying. Like, we just, we love it. Those memories, man. They're just so, so, so great, good. you know? <laughs> so keep in touch. Um, and then we got to give thanks to Hal Lublin for his. Um, vocal talents at the top of the podcast. Um, he's always killing it. I uh, wanted to thank Kathleen for being my co-host. Oh, my God. I want to thank Philip, too. Of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and in the meantime, thanks for listening to OHR. It's OHR. I kind of trailed off at the end because I don't remember the, the melody. That's okay. I'll end it with a fan pop. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Makes everything better. Good night. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>